book club. If I had to, uh, well, let's not go down that road. Okay. Let's just talk about the book. No, let's go down that road. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so cow. does that have caused me to burp and then a little bit of food comes with it the most probably oh. Mountain Dew. Jesus. Car? What? You? No. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, you highfalutin no. princes of New England. Um, last <laughs> time we did book club, we jokingly, semi-jokingly said, and next time we'll do a Chris Ware book, and here we are. Hmm. Carly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Put that pen away. I'm drinking a LaCroix. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Be sure to set it right next to the mic so I get a lot of like... Oh, yeah, I wonder. No, don't wonder. Carly. Well, I tried it, so we'll see. Okay. Christian, what are you drinking that's noisy? Uh, <laughs> lemonade Ooh. mixed with Malibu. What? Ooh, interesting. What's Malibu? <laughs> it's a coconut rum chata, I think. Dang. Dang. Am I living life incorrectly as no, jimmy you are living it correctly <laughs> okay it doesn't feel like <laughs> it uh because i'm here podcasting about jimmy corrigan <laughs> the smartest kid on earth a book by chris ware the first book by chris ware now carly carly yes okay you kind of are the uh the the catalyst the the shifting prism upon which are you with me on this thing I'm doing? Mm. Sure. You read Chris Ware books first, and then me, and then Christian. Yeah. What got you into Chris Ware? A friend recommended Chris Ware. Okay. Mm. Okay. How would you uh, How would you describe Chris Ware's style and book? I don't feel equipped to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about. I think comics and graphic novels to do so Mm, okay but (laughs) it is a style that appeals to me it's like very minimal compared to watchmen which is another source of reference (laughs) i have um yeah but what 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 are his books about? What is inside Chris Ware's mind that he needs to put into a billion little tiny pictures each time? It's a lot of uh, people over the spans of their lives and the people they interact with, and a lot of regret about the places they ended up being. Woo. Mm-hmm. It's about staring out a window in the middle of the Midwest and being just seeing your soul leave your body because you just and then the sun sets. Yes. And like being unable to do anything about it, it seems. Right. Mm. Social anxiety and loneliness. Oh, for sure. Lots of loneliness. Lots of social anxiety. So, Christian. Mm-hmm. As a fellow Midwesterner, um, <laughs> and this being your first Chris Ware book, what did you think? Um, I thought it was enjoyable. Okay, I thought it was enjoyable. I appreciated the wit- the Midwest connection, the <laughs> Widmest, uh, 
And I enjoyed the book overall, largely because of a lot of the little moments. I picked up on a lot of the little tidbits and found oh. them enjoyable. Okay. Despite the fact not a lot really seems to happen. Because if you just take out the flashbacks and the dream and fantasy sequences, you would have a significantly shorter book. Yes. But I still found it enjoyable. That definitely seems like a Chris Ware thing is I'm telling the story of this character, but in doing so, I need to jump back to the Chicago World's Fair, you know, 100 <laughs> yeah. years ago. To And not just for like <laughs> 20 pages for no. like, what, a third of the book, if yes. not more? Yeah. Yeah. I counted. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 82 pages. So over one fifth of the book is wow. one flashback chunk. Oh, just one wow. section? Yes. Is it that one towards the end? Yes. That puppy goes. Um, but I think um, this is something Chris Ware does extremely well. I think he ties everything together constantly. He's never just, it's, it never feels wasted to me. It always feels like he's doing something. He's making some connections. He's going he's gonna to reflect on this later. Time is folding in on itself. Watchmen, the TV show. HBO, <laughs> Sins of Our Fathers. Mm -hmm. I love it. It also, like, um, it feels like it leaves you a lot of room to do all of that on your own, too, which yes. I really like. Like, there's a lot of moments where something is glossed over really quickly, um, and you can either choose to examine it and think about how it resulted in the main character, or you can not. And it just kind of, like, depends how much time and emotional labor you want to put into it right you're like why is he a robot now this is stupid and then you can go <laughs> and move on yeah um carly mm. one of the things we talked about with watchmen was uh how do i read comic book yeah <laughs> how do you read a chris ware book what's your method what's your strategy going in here mm. Well, this is the first, the other, or the first Chris Ware I read was the first of any sort of thing like this I ever read. Okay. Mm. Uh, and it took me, I like genuinely <laughs> didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I was just like, is it up or down or right. left or right? And it was really confusing. Um, especially because I think Rusty Brown, there's like, if I remember correctly, there, at the beginning, there's like a panel on the bottom, which is entirely its own story for pages right. and pages and pages that yes. you're not supposed to skip around with. Um, anyways, <laughs> sure. this one doesn't have that. This one feels pretty easy. You're going left to right unless there's the sizes of the panels help you. And then mm -hmm. sometimes there's also arrows if you're supposed to go different ways. And then there's pages that are like really unstructured and you can just kind of like dance around, which okay. is also kind of nice. Do you ever find yourself, this is, I'm speaking from experience here, just kind of, he does a lot of this thing where he'll have very similar panels in a row to show that time is passing. Do you ever just kind of gloss through that? Because I sure do. I'm just like, okay, Jimmy's sitting at a table for a while. <laughs> Or are I feel you like picking I, up on all the little minute changes that are happening? I'm looking because I always think that Chris Ware is trying to get away with not drawing more panels. So I, like, okay. I'm always <laughs> playing a game of like, did he make any changes here? If there's like, if it's just two sequential pictures of a plate. Yeah. But there's always changes. There's always changes. Christian, 
Did you have mm-hmm. any difficulty wrapping your head around this bad boy? It's funny that you just mentioned that, that um, large passages of time over identical panels, because that's something that hit me right towards the beginning of the book, yeah. where we see where we switch from holding the book oh, vertically to horizontally, right. and we see a house, and then we see a tree, and the tree gets leaves, and then the leaves go away, and then the house also goes away. And it didn't occur to me that that was time passing by, like a lot of time passing by, sure. until I went by like a third time. Because that, that, like me getting into this, took me a couple tries. Yeah, and I didn't. It wasn't until that third time when I realized, oh, there's a lot of time that passed by here. Sure. Uh, and coming from the Watchmen made the panel structure in this one significantly more difficult. I had to like section off a part of my brain to just kind of try and figure out which panel i should be reading next because like carly said you you have to look at the next panel kind of and you have to look at the size of this panel so if this panel is smaller than the next panel (laughs) then i have to read down but if it's the same size then i read to the right but that's only sometimes because i also have to look out for an arrow and if i'm not looking at the entire panel i gotta look at all the edges and make sure there isn't an arrow yeah it's like an order of operations or something exactly Yeah, you can tell someone's reading Chris Ware because they'll like look up into space and they'll be like, uh, "Yep, uh, uh, okay. okay," and then they'll look back at the book. Yeah, yeah. And there are a couple times where I read them out of order, and then I'd be like, "Well, that doesn't make sense." And then I'd look and I'd see the arrow, and I go, oh, "Okay, I'll read it in order this time." Fine, Chris Ware. Um, <laughs> so the book itself is kind of uh, difficult. Let's say. How do you guys handle when it does sort of the very occasionally in this one, he'll do just like the full page spread of just like vomiting information at you and not in a sequential order. It's just like, here's a display. Here's my diorama of, you know, the history of this family or something. And it'll have like arrows squiggling all over the place. And I'm just like, oh, next page, please. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's my favorite stuff. I really, really like that. Um, Like when there is absolutely no intent. I don't think there's any intended way to look at it. Okay. uh, Or any like order in which we're supposed to look at it. Uh, And it feels like a little mm, puzzle, I guess, or like some sort of, I don't know, fun activity all on its own. (laughs) Sure. I, and it's, I feel like it's so creative. Like he does that thing all the time. Yeah, I think most pr- predominantly here with family structure where he's like kind of taking you on the different journeys in the different ancestral trees of these people. Ooh, it's true. Uh, and I really enjoy it. Through photographs a lot, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then photographs will never see and imaginary photographs trailing off and fading away because it goes on forever. And it's just like, oh, oh, oh. and when it's all the different, um, like versions of the people in yeah. there, it took a while for me to get the, like the blue drawings meant <laughs> like not real kind of right. imagined yeah. or yeah. fill in the blanks pictures. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My question, unless Christian, you had some something to say. Do you have something oh, to I, say, Christian? In that like collage uh, conversation, the opening cover kind of has one of those collages where yeah. it's like a 
uh, what is it, like a mouse hitting a cat head or something? Yes. And that's what, that was the first thing I saw in the book. And I'm like, boy, is this entire book like this? Because I have no idea (laughs) what it's trying to say. And then uh, there's a couple of pages where they have like cut out dioramas and stuff like that. And that was confusing to me. But there was one towards the end of the book where uh, there's like this collage that makes a connection between the main Jimmy Corrigan's sister and uh, his like great grandpa's maid. And it like tells the story about like his sister's origins and like how she got adopted and the life she lived over the course of like two pages and a bunch of circles and arrows. And I thought that that was very effective. I guess okay. that's where it finally clicked in my brain. And I there was a lot that clearly went over my head in those two pages. But the stuff that didn't, I really appreciated. Mm. So my question to you, Christian, is did this book hit you on an emotional level? And do you think... Chris Ware's style, which I would almost describe sometimes as kind of like, um, it's very removed. It's very scientific in a way where it's like, let's look Mm -hmm. at this from 40 different angles and through the use of diagrams and stuff. It's almost like self-aware or like meta the way he's telling the story. Mm -hmm. Um, did, did you, did it still punch you in the stomach a couple of times or how effective was that? That's a good question. Hmm. I wouldn't say it ever punched me in the stomach, Okay, but it made me feel empathy every now and then. Okay, There was the one scene, the one scene where uh, main character Jimmy Corrigan is sleeping on his dad, Jimmy Corrigan's couch. Okay. And uh, his estranged dad. And so it's his first time meeting him. He's sleeping on the couch and he's like closing his eyes, but he's still awake. And his estranged dad is in the kitchen, like washing stuff. And then he hears um, him sleeping on the couch, make a noise. And then he looks over and he's like, oh, close my eyes. I'm not really awake. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. I've done that so many times. That is phenomenal. Thank you for making manifesting that in comic book form, Chris Ware. And I'm sure this book is full of other instances that other people have experienced in their real lives that unfortunately I can't relate to because my dad didn't beat me. Right. But or leave you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Car, uh, same question to you. Um, w- was your experience with this book hurt by not having a terrible father? And the thing I asked before. I think, yeah, right. Okay. Like, totally. Uh, the moments that really got me were more just like. Uh, I think moments that would get anyone like when the. Uh, when his dad eventually dies, of course, that's very sad. And yep. then there's like a lot of so I I think what he Chris Ware is really really effective at, regardless of um, your own emotional experiences, is like uh, those little moments. Um, what I'm or one type of thing he does a lot that I'm thinking of is like day to day things that are super depressing. Totally. Like the one I'm thinking of is he Jimmy notices his dad's poster of Chicago and I think like pictures him buying it and it made me horribly yeah. sad. Yes. And that's like the yes. type of stuff that makes me so bummed every single day yes. of my life that he just like tapped into perfectly. Yes. Yeah. 
so much of that for me in this book of just like yeah. things that your brain goes through that you don't even acknowledge because they're weird mm -hmm. and you don't talk about them with people. And then yeah. to see it. And I think this is the perfect medium for it where he's drawing all these, he can do whatever he wants with this format. He can, you know, slice a house in half. And then Jimmy is like young again, for some reason playing with a robot or something. And it's like, okay, but he can use that to kind of explore all these little weird brain wrinkles that people have or it's just it's striking to see it just pop up in a page this thing that you thought only you go through but obviously everybody has silly brain problems mm -hmm. silly brain problems my question to move on abruptly is <laughs> what do you guys make of jimmy because if i can bury the lead and then dig it up and show it to you Mm -hmm. I think Jimmy is probably one of the least likable main characters I've ever experienced in something. Mm -hmm. I hate Jimmy. Oh, I don't hate Jimmy. <laughs> well, you pity him, but he's terrible. <laughs> I don't think he's bad because he's... He's so... He does as little outward action into the world as possible. Mm. Screw him. <laughs> for doing okay. that okay. okay i get what you're saying yeah there's a lot there's so much of this book where his dad is talking to him and he's just sitting there staring at him blankly and i'm like jimmy snap out of it man yeah um and it's it like okay word, but repeats the first letter of the word <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> cough uh and it's like okay he spills the pee on the floor and i'm like okay this is i pity you jimmy i feel bad for you in this moment Things like fantasizing about the nurse coming in and it's just like, Jimmy, come on, man. <laughs> and I don't think the book is about Jimmy being weird. I think it's about his dad leaving him and, you know, rolling through that. And I guess if you want to make the connection that Jimmy is this like nightmare person because his dad left him, I guess that makes sense. But otherwise, I think you could tell the story in a way it almost just feels like Chris Ware is obviously working through some things and he just like pities himself immensely. Mm. So he needs to represent it that way. But otherwise I could not like, I felt a lot of emotional weight in the story, but also I hate Jimmy and I don't see myself reflected in Jimmy in any way. So it's like, it's like the two halves of my brain are fighting. What do you find most, like, unlikable about him? He, what's, what's to like? I mean, he's just. Yeah, I guess there's a difference between feeling kind of like he he's whatever and he's actively bad. And I guess I'm wondering, like, what makes him bad? Um, I, th I don't, like, obviously, life has not been kind to Jimmy, right? Mm -hmm. Things are not going Jimmy's way uh, <laughs> in this book, but <laughs> he just has no agency in anything. He yeah. has no, we spend so much of this book kind of exploring so few characters and I still have no idea what makes Jimmy tick or what's going on in his head, um, except that he wants to like sex every woman that comes within <laughs> 20 feet of him. Um so it's like refreshing when they jump back to his grandfather as a kid because you get this really nice picture of this character and his emotions and what he's feeling. 
And then Jimmy's just like folding clothes sadly and staring at bacon. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, take me back to Chicago. <laughs> Please. Yeah. I mean, I think like, um, I think with other Chris Ware stuff I've read, it's way more effective when he's featuring a character that does have some agency. So, sure. like, building stories, which is... I've only read three Chris Ware, I guess, and that's by far my favorite by, like, Miles. Um, because the character here predominantly following, like, acts on things that she wants and... It also, like, there's moments of joy, like a lot of moments of joy. Huh. So I cried like a hundred times reading Aww. building stories, because, like because you need some of that, or else you're yeah. just like blanketed by uh, depression, and loneliness. Yeah, which I feel like is what happens here, kind of. Yeah. Okay. You can't tell. There's no difference from moment to moment with Jimmy. It's all just yes, exactly. It's yeah. just like staring into a pit for the, you know, however long it takes you to read this book. Yeah. He's anxious and sad the entire time. Mm. Yes. Yeah. What I appreciated about Jimmy <laughs> is that he, he reminded me a lot of Adam Sandler's character in Punch Drunk Love, which is a movie ah. I like a lot. Hmm. And that movie is also just Social Anxiety, the movie where um, Adam Sandler character, Adam Sandler's character in that movie um, has a bunch of sisters that are just nagging him all the time, which is basically uh, Jimmy's mom in this yeah. book where his mom is nagging him all the time. And I thought the character worked well for setting up uh, like poignant moments. Like there's the moment when Jimmy is with his dad at the diner and he knows he's going to be with his dad for Thanksgiving, but his mom wants him with her for Thanksgiving. And so he's at the diner and he sees a moment where he can slip away and call his mom. And then like, he's so torn because she's like, I thought you were going to be there for Thanksgiving with me. What's going on, Jimmy? <laughs> and then he's like, I'm sorry, I, I got to go. And then his dad's coming to him. And like, all of this could be diffused with like one conversation. Yeah. But his brain can't help but go to the worst possible scenario or like the worst possible conclusion that could come out of having that conversation. Yeah. And I empathized with that a lot because okay. yeah. my brain definitely has the tendency to do the exact same thing. And I appreciated how Jimmy's insufficient brain did the same thing. Mine does. <laughs> it's I also, I think he's, he's genuinely trying to limit bad outcomes for other people all the time and it just doesn't work. You know, uh, like yeah. uh, he's really trying to protect his mom and he's really trying to protect his dad. He's like trying to be nice to his sister who he just met as much as possible, but he's just not, it's not working. Mm -hmm. He's either not good at it or the scenarios aren't working out right or a combination of both all the time. I I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, he, like, abandons his mom, which he's right to do, but he does it in kind of a crummy way where he's, like, lying mm -hmm. to her that he moved his desk or something. And then yeah. he's sitting with his sister. And first of all, <laughs> I, I think it's a really nice touch, but where he's, like, rehearsing how he's going to greet her. And he's like, I'm not scared of black people is, like, his go-to. <laughs> yeah. um, but then he's, like, fantasizing about, like, 
them being a family, husband and wife. Like, it's, it's all just like, and you almost, you know, you don't want to blame the character because it's just how his mind works. But that that's his fantasy go to is always just like, sure. And I get that that's to some extent due to trauma, to having this terrible life and upbringing. But uh, it's just it wears on me because it's the same thing over and over with poor Jimmy. It wears on you, huh? Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of the the introduction of the sister and all that? If It's kind of truncated towards the end, I would say. Mm. The sister character. I thought it needed it. Like, yeah. I think she's in this book, the character with agency, right? Like she's right. the, she's the one who seems most like a person I would want to spend time with. Yes. Out of anyone. And maybe like the most, like an actual person I know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I like her character. I don't know. Like I, the book needs it. I think you get a really strong sense of who she is pretty quickly, which is also nice and needed. A Christian, what did you think? Mm-hmm. I, I also really like the sister character. Like Carly said, I thought that she was also the most human. And I really liked how, despite her being kind of kind, she's also a little abrasive. And I really liked that because that also made her feel like a human. She's not just a Mary Sue. She's not just like the pleasant cream in your mouth, you know, that nice hot ice cream. Granny Cream's hot butter ice cream. I'm really into this analogy we're going with here. You know? And she kind of is to an extent because she's the, you know, the only real female character we can grasp onto in this book. Yeah. But uh, she's also, like I said, a little abrasive. And the book ends with her, like, punching Jimmy. Hell yeah. Which is kind of awesome, too. Yeah. (laughs) Screw him. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, did you guys get that sense? I feel like um, uh, I, I'm really, really glad she did push him. Yeah. Because I, there's just so many like books and movies and stuff where the introduction of the female character is just to like sympathize with the male character and like comfort him and essentially mm-hmm. like be his mom. And that's happening so, so hard this entire time. Like when they're in, when they're at uh, their grandpa's place and they don't know if Jimmy and her dad is going to die. Yeah. And it's just all about Jimmy, even though she's the one who's like Mm, lived with the father her entire life. And like her dad is dying. Granted, it's both of their dads, but it's just like the Jimmy show the entire time. And then finally, like at the doctor's office, she just loses it on him, which thank God, or else it would have been like a nightmare of a plot line for me. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, Jimmy. And I like that in her own way, she's kind of being a Jimmy in that moment because that leads to him leaving and them probably never seeing each other again. Yeah, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm real curious what you guys think of the ending, like the last page and a half mm-hmm. of this book. Jimmy. I'm looking back at what it was. Is it him in the office with in the cubicles? Yes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I want. I'm glad that there's like a slightly happy ending. Hmm. 
It's very <laughs> ambiguous, this ending. Yeah. I would say, like, extremely ambiguous. I think we're meant to think that, like, he's finally getting female attention, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I disagree. Oh. Because What's he has saying? not changed. Jimmy is the same. Yeah. Women have talked to Jimmy through this book and at no point was like, oh, he's he'll find happiness. And it did not change <laughs> okay. for me at the very end when it happens again. And he doesn't talk to her at all. And he does his weird, creepy stare over the cubicle <laughs> at this poor woman. I mean, he's also been crying at the cubicle, right? Sure. Like mm-hmm. audibly. Yeah. yeah. You know what's so awesome? Pardon my desk. Uh, it's just that one page where he's got the little audio recorder and he's like recording birds and stuff. And it's oh, like, yeah. Jimmy's yeah, happy for a page. Yeah. I love that. Christian, is Jimmy going to go have a family and kids and be a normal person and not abandon his children? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's interesting that you pointed out that the ending's pretty ambiguous, because I guess that's not the thing that stood out to me while I was reading it. When I was in the moment reading it, I thought it was your cookie cutter, kind of somewhat happy and optimistic ending. Yeah. Where... A girl's actually talking to him willingly, who's not familiarly <laughs> related to him in any way. <laughs> uh, so that's how it struck me. And then I um, like that felt pleasant in the moment. But also looking back on the book after having read it, it seemed not as pleasant because that's not what the book is about. Yeah. And why? What did Jimmy do to earn that? He didn't do anything. He should be on top of the building jumping off, too. And then she'll watch him do it, you know? If, yeah, I mean, if there was any moment between getting shoved by his sister and that, where it felt like there was anything... Because all that happens, right, is he comes home and his mom says she's getting married and then he's, like, sulking about it. (laughs) And then this happens. I think it may be, like... Yeah, like maybe at least my initial emotional reaction is like, okay, maybe that's nice and good. Like, I don't think it's they get married, but I think it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. he has hope. But yeah, the other reading of it is like, oh, this woman, of course, is going to talk to him because he's crying in the desk across from her. (laughs) What else is she going to do? And she's new, so she wants to make friends. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's snowing outside. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful, James Corrigan? Uh, would you guys be interested? Let's say Chris Ware, author extreme, did, let's say, like the Chicago, like the Chicago World's Fair, 1890, whatever. And there were no jumps to present day. It was just that story. As a book, do you think there is value there or is Chris Ware at his best when he's operating on like 18 levels and jumping around like a madman? Mm. I think I would still enjoy it. Like, I think most of that stuff is my favorite stuff in the book. Yeah. Mm. And like Chris Ware gets to draw the world's fair, which like, I don't know what more I could so good it's so beautiful um but i think 
the whole point of Chris Ware, right, is to have like many timelines and characters and things are intersecting. And yeah, so it's not bad if it's just that, but it's not but the point. It seems like when we've been talking, the parts that stick out to us or the parts that we liked were not, you know, following the family tree through the ages or anything. It was like Jimmy taking a nap on a couch or, you know, folding laundry. It's like it's the really simple little human details that I think Chris Ware does the best. Um, Mm -hmm. I would take more of that, I guess. Christian, if your brain isn't boggled, are you having a good time? Uh I guess I should break the ice by saying Uh-oh. that um, that one long flashback that we get to the Chicago World Fair two thirds of the way through the book was kind of my least favorite part. OK, not in isolation, but yeah. in context with the rest of the book, because it's over a fifth of this 380 page book dedicated to one flashback sequence that isn't clearly delineated. It yeah. isn't set up well. We hard okay. cut from our main Jimmy character hearing the police department on an answering machine talk about his dad to this long flashback that we have no context for. And that created a mental dissonance that bothered me throughout the entirety of one fifth of this book. (laughs) And it screams one off issue that he would have just thrown out after (laughs) like a month. He's like, okay, I'm going to do an issue where we go back to this origin (laughs) story and then it also has a ton of text because it's being narrated. Yeah. And it also breaks the book's own rules because with a few small exceptions, we don't see a lot of faces in this book, which was something I really liked. Yeah. We get a lot of like zoom in on Jimmy's face a lot. So we really like he's he's the perspective we get is Jimmy. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And that flashback sequence, we've got all kinds of faces in here. We got the little girl. We got the yeah. faces of all his friends. We got the faces of his friend's parents. We're seeing everybody's face. Yeah. I thought that was frustrating. In addition to the whole unreliable narrator nature of it. Yeah. And so that's something I had to ask for you two was how did you feel about the little unreliable narrator twist where in this one fifth of the book flashback sequence? We see a little great grandpappy, Jimmy, as a youngin, running yep. around the Chicago Stewie Fair. Griffin. And at first, yes. And at first, he's just got a bedrobe on. Right. But then he's like, oh, wait, I wasn't wearing a bedrobe. And then and he's, he's not wearing a bedrobe yeah, anymore. But then he starts chasing the girl, and then he has a bedrobe on again. Ooh. Carly, you take center <laughs> stage on this one. I think it works in terms of like uh, I guess a, like a lot of this book is about memory and um how certain experiences that stand out to these characters both shape their lives and like the lives of the generations that follow them but I do think that in particular was kind of like clumsy and unnecessarily confusing like i think where is really good at making things making it clear that things are like ambiguous or um maybe not remembered perfectly without having to like explicitly state oh i don't remember this quite perfect you know what i mean he felt like he was kind of tripping over his own mechanisms or something 
okay, I'll take the opposite stance, I guess. <laughs> um, in a book where things can just switch entirely, like halfway down a page, where Jimmy can just be like talking to someone and then he's a robot and then Superman is helping him and then, you know, Peaches again and then the horse is there. <laughs> uh, for... Because that whole sequence, I just love that sequence because of the the way it is drawn and just mm-hmm. it feels like a, a like a breath of fresh air, like a relief almost. Because I mean, the dad is proud of what's happening and he's excited to be there because it's his birthday and he gets to go to the fair. Blah 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 blah. Uh, so in that moment, for it to just kind of where it's been so dense for it to just be kind of like fanciful and free where he's like, maybe I wasn't wearing, you know, why would I be wearing the nightgown? And then it just like pop. And then he's not wearing it anymore. Um, that stood out to me actually. And I was like, okay, I like this a lot. Hmm. Cause that poor kid oh, yeah. has just had a heck of a time, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. The, so whatever I, he wants to do, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I feel like maybe the most um, the most all in part of the book for me was um, when he goes to his friend's house and the dad is so nice to him. And like oh, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're watching the moment where it's like, oh, if things were slightly different, everything could be different. Right. Like mm-hmm. if his dad was a little bit more like that dad, Jimmy would probably be happy. And that's right. <laughs> like and right. that's generations away. Um, right. And then you're so you're so quickly brought out of it. And I, I feel like you're really capturing the feeling of someone who is like so unsure of his social stances. Yeah. Um, but is so easily convinced um, of whatever anyone is telling him. So at first he thinks he's really too cool for um the italian kid then (laughs) he feels left out really quickly because the italian kid has friends and then he feels really welcome by the italian kid's family and then he feels really shut out and i feel like that's something you have when you're like eight right it's like you're so quickly jumping from this is exactly where i belong to oh no everyone hates me in the entire world (laughs) and i feel like that works really really well here yeah I agree. And just that feeling of like going to someone's house when you're that age. Mm-hmm. And it's so different than any reality you ever thought existed, whether it be like a positive way or a negative way. Right. You're they experiencing cool. other people's families for the first time ever. And it's so weird. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like that moment when he goes to his friend's house and they're carving stuff and he is totally content just carving things for the rest of his human existence. Right. In that moment. This is it. Mm-hmm. I found it. Well, because yep. it's the only time he's ever been praised or... <laughs> it's oh. so sad, this poor little kid. Oh. Yeah. It's so different from, you know, Jimmy of now, where it's like, he just it's nothing. There's just nothing going on there. Is that the yeah. point? Is that the point? So like you were saying in the flap of the butterfly wings a hundred years ago with this poor kid. And then it just <laughs> results in empty shadow people or whatever's going on with Jimmy. And it's like, oh, no. Well, I think kind of because I feel like so, 
something... Um, a lot of the characters in this book, and I think like Chris Ware's books in general, there's a lot of especially dudes who are like relentlessly negative about everything. Sure. And I can completely relate to shutting down around that type of person. And I wonder if that's just how Jimmy resulted in being Jimmy is like Mm. when someone, when a lot of people around you are just like, everything is terrible to them and they're just (laughs) cranky Mm -hmm. and evil and whatever. (laughs) Sometimes you don't want to always be the person like trying to turn things around and maybe he yeah. just sunk into himself forever. But his dad's not that. Oh, I don't know. He kind of is, right? He cooked him bacon. Yeah, I guess so. He gave well, him he was absent shirt. is the alternative. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that bothered me about his dad is that we're introduced to him in a bar, which is a little, you know, like seedy. It feels kind of gross. Yeah. At an airport bar, he runs into his dad for the first time. And then also like they go out to eat and he's like strangely fixated on his son's girlfriend. Right. And he's talking to his son about sex all the time. And he's like, oh, I've been with these kind of girls. Never been with a black girl before, but I've always wanted to. How is that the go-to conversation with your son? Is this guy broken as well? But I mean, he's also supposed, like, towards the end of the book, it seems like he's supposed to be very likable. I don't know. I still, like, the other interaction we get when they first meet is how mean he is about the waitress. Oh, yeah. And it's like, the moment someone's like that, it's just like, (laughs) I I don't want anything to do with you sort of thing. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. I felt really key towards the dad for most of it besides the bacon the bacon was really nice i i felt okay about the dad i mean i i can totally see if you come into this book from the perspective of maybe you know not having a great relationship with your own father and seeing that kind of i feel like i'm maybe imprinting positive thoughts about (laughs) fathers onto this reasonably terrible father figure in this book (laughs) oh no he cooked bacon he's okay (laughs) he's all right he got the bill cosby movie he explicitly (laughs) states that jimmy was a mistake like oh my god it seems like he's repenting it he seems more self-aware than jimmy does where he's like maybe he can acknowledge that he's not you know the best person in the world yeah. Hmm. He's also racist. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Everybody's <laughs> racist in this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Jimmy racist? I forget. <sighs> Not outwardly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not that I remember. Yeah. Hmm. interesting through line like it's interesting that where I I think he like he commits just enough of the story to dealing with race to I feel like make it at least somewhat effective to me like I think it does a good job of looking at generationally how that happens I also I mean it would probably if he's trying to tell this multi-generational story accurately yeah. I think it, there would be a glaring absence 
of totally. race if that oh, was a yeah, part yeah. of it. Did you guys have any more overarching thoughts? Otherwise, I would just love to hear like a part you really liked about this book or in this book of this book from this book. The World's Fair stuff is so cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. When was that? I don't... Uh... 92, 93. Oh, okay. oh you're making fun when part of the book. Did you say 92? Did you what? take notes? Did you write down the page numbers? Of no, things? but they oh, say the okay. date like 5,000 times. All right, all right, fine. Okay. <laughs> I also, I didn't learn about the World's Fair until, I guess maybe I'd like heard of it or it was referenced, but I didn't like in depth learn about the World's Fair until college. I never learned about it. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're uncultured swine. <laughs> uh, Christian, did you learn about the Chicago World No, Fair? I did not. Yeah. I read that it one was... book about the murder hotel, and that kind of went into some of it. Devil in the White City? Yeah. I actually haven't read that. Okay. Well, Watchmen taught us about Juneteenth. <laughs> We're learning everything. And trains. And trains. Hmm. Carly, what was your favorite panel in the entire book? Hit me. I I guess like... What was your favorite cough? Let's rank the coughs. I have questions. Hit me. Why are there so many coughs in this book? Why does everyone cough? Is it just cold season? Is that what he's getting at? I think it's people like not knowing what to say, so they make a sound instead. I guess that's like what I... It's like a nervous twitch. Yeah. Is that what people really do? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to be like hyper aware of people's coughs. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, um, with the masks situation, I've been oh. pinching the bridge of the mask mm. as a sort of inaudible cough. Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly afraid to cough uh, yeah. at all. Sure. Anywhere. Sure. Yeah, this was real hard to read in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) No one's wearing a mask. Everyone's coughing. Everyone's coughing on each other. Uh Yeesh. Yeesh. I like the scenes. Uh, Carly mentioned towards the beginning that the stuff that happens in blue is stuff that's like not happening in reality, but in like people's thoughts or imagination. So I, I like the scenes where, for example, Jimmy's uh, thinking about what his dad's going to look like or what his sister's yes. going to look like. And yep. it shows all of the yes. different people. But there's like black bars over their eyes yes. to kind of like represent all of the faces he's kind of flipping through in his brain. Yeah. How'd you guys feel about that? Do you guys practice this in your own brains? Do you notice that taking <laughs> yep. place yep. in your own imaginations? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yes. I don't think I do. I don't think I ever tried to picture. Hmm. Are you ever surprised by the way somebody looks when you meet them? Yeah, but I feel like I'm always just picturing someone who does exist and just like using Ooh. them as a placeholder. Oh, Andrew Garfield. It's just always Andrew Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> Your neck is a lot shorter than I thought it was. <laughs> His neck is fine. Okay. That's great. Yeah, that I was know. one of the best panels, so I really like that a lot. Yeah. I think what I was thinking during those panels is that I guess I don't consciously think about the process. I just think about the end result. 
So when I'm like talking to someone or a lot of times it happened to me when I was younger going over to friends' houses and they would like talk about the things that they had in their house and I would visualize, okay, this is probably what your house looks like in my brain. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go there and it'd be like nothing like that because how the heck do you predict what a house looks like? I don't know. Yeah. And it's always kind of disappointing because in your brain, it's like more than it would be because it's just going to be a house because people Mm -hmm. live there. Exactly. Another question I had. Yes. How do you two feel this book handles dreams? Dreams. There were dreams? Which page are we talking? Oh, all of them. (laughs) 92. Okay. You see at the end, Jimmy wakes up and he was actually a sexy man the whole time. (laughs) Wakes up with his hot babe in bed. His son rushes in. Papa, I love you. Papa. I love you too, son. We have a healthy relationship. Let's play ball catch. <laughs> ball catch. <laughs> um, Carly, should I go in, instead of forcing you onto go the for stage? Go for it, bruv. Um, I don't dream the way this book portrays dreaming. Mm-hmm. I daydream the way this book portrays dreaming, I guess. But I have never dreamt I was a giant robot man. Or yep. that my dad was Superman and he picked up the house and dropped it or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt very like it's a cool visual thing, like it's a cool literary thing happening. But uh, I was never it barely registered to me as a dream because it's this whole book is so distanced from, you know, reality. Even yeah. in the way Chris Ware draws things, it's always kind of clinical. It's not it's not like I'm in the room with these characters. It's always distanced. So I just kind of took that as like, oh, that, that looks cool. And then mm-hmm. moved on. It never, none of the dream sequences, I don't think, really knocked me on my booty too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about booty. you, Carly? <laughs> I also was not knocked on my booty, but... <laughs> I feel like, yeah, because there's uh, there's a lot of dreaming. There's also a lot of daydreaming. Like, there's such a significant portion of the book that's just not based in reality. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they don't feel like distinct moments um, or like very different from whatever else is going on. But, yeah, like Tuck said, I really enjoy like the visuals of him being the robot dude and the stuff with Superman and everything. Like I, I'm glad that that's in there, I guess. Yeah. There's a part where there's like the projector light and then he envisions shooting the projector light up into the sky and that it would just keep going and project Mm -hmm. something onto the moon. That's like freaking awesome child (laughs) imagination crap right there. Yeah. There's a lot of like traces of light, streaming yeah. through the sky stuff that I, yeah. I there's something about that i really really like that uh-huh. totally one of to contradict everything i've just said um probably my favorite part of the book is him dealing with his grandmother dying yeah uh, in the before <laughs> time um just the portrayal of how a child would deal with that but also kind of the dream sequences that are taking place in and around that I thought that was all super well done. Yeah. Totally. I think I'm in the same camp as you, Tucker, where 
I'm not Chris super Ward. fond of the content of the dreams themselves. There was one sequence where he like goes up to the bed and there's a horse in the bed and yes. then it looks at him and yes. it makes eye contact with him. And then a bunch of the crickets or bugs like fly out of the horse's mouth and nose. And I'm Ugh. like, okay, that's, that's, that's like the thing that you would put that would happen in a dream right. in a movie or a piece of <laughs> right. media. Exactly. But yeah. that is not <laughs> like what would happen in my brain. But what I did really like was the transition in and out of dreams. I really okay. liked that a lot because there's no telegraphing. And that seems to be Chris Ware's style. You know, we just went straight from Jimmy listening to an answering machine to an 80 page flashback. So. Yeah. It's clear that Chris Ware likes doing this, but I did really like how the characters just like seemingly awake one minute and then boom, they're in a dream. And sometimes it isn't always extremely clear whether or not that's the case. Yeah. And I really like that a lot. Like uh, to contrast, like the horse thing, right? Uh mm. When he eats the sugar and there's bugs in it, and then you get kind yeah. of just like a little imagined spot of like yes. him eating bugs. I thought that oh, was yeah. super effective. That was like absolutely because that's something I could see myself thinking about if I had just eaten bug sugar. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, now there's bugs in me. Crap. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little short little, it's like three little panels, and you get the gist, but that's the good stuff right there. Mm. Totally. That's that essence. That's my Chris Ware yeah. friend. Carly. <laughs> you ever eat bugs? Sugary bugs? Hmm? No. You've eaten a bug before. Did I tell you about um <laughs> I got some Story time. Okay. This is really gross. Okay. I got um This is how we're ending the episode, by the way. So no, I have notes, <laughs> I have notes, I have notes. Um, <laughs> I got um, these bulk dried chickpeas. From this is going to suck. Don't. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah? I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just the way it is. This is okay. the reality of my life. Okay. I got these bulk dried chickpeas. Oh, no. I did this whole thing where I like soaked them for hours and then I made them in this delicious broth with... Garlic and onions and herbs and oil. Um, and you can stop this right now. <laughs> no, as I'm carrying out this process, I'm noticing that there's little ant sort of uh, bugs floating to the top. Um, uh, and in fact, in some of the chickpeas, they were partway out of the chickpeas, so they had burrowed in. And of course, I didn't eat it, but I'm looking at it afterwards, and there's just like holes, these little like burrow holes all over the chickpeas. Christ. Jeez. That was really gross. Yeah. I, feel, I looked uh, it up and I found one other person who has reported this from a Whole Foods. Wow. I can't talk because I talked about cracking a chicken egg. Yeah, last God. Time we talked. I hate that you said that. <laughs> so, oops. Good story, Car. Disgusting. There was one summer when I was younger <laughs> and had a particularly bad ant problem. Oh, and I was no. so excited. I was going oh. to the pantry to grab my Apple Jacks in the morning, oh, pour no. myself a bowl, and then <laughs> no, open it up. And there's just ants swarming no. all over those Apple Jacks in that box. It went straight in the trash. Oh, no. Did you like, oh. ah! that's what yep, I would have done. I, I would have been like, ah! Okay. Not good. Terrible. Do you have any bug food stories, Tucker? 
Um, we had a shop teacher in middle school and he would keep suckers. And this sounds insane when I say it, but it, like if a kid did well, he'd be like, here's a sucker. And uh, ants got into teachers. him. He pulled out a sucker and it was just a stick with a bunch of ants on the inside of the wrapper. Uh, and there was no, no. sucker left. That's kind of funny. Not at the time it wasn't. I'm glad none of these stories involve us eating the food. It's just like, yeah, I have one that I could tell. Hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. Well, it didn't happen to me. It happened to my friend, but she bit into a raspberry that had a bee in it in the little like center. Oh my God. Did the bee go in her mouth? Yeah, but she spit it out. I can't eat fruit because I worry about this stuff. How did a bee get in the raspberry? I don't know. They just go in there. It's it like wasn't alive anymore. It was dead. Oh, oh great. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. It wasn't alive anymore. <sighs> Car notes. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Do you know there's me. fruit flies on fruit? Just like all the time. Like you're just eating fruit flies all the time. Wow. Because that's how you get fruit flies is they have little eggs on the skin of the fruit and then they hatch. Do they hatch in your stomach? Probably. (laughs) Wow. That's like free protein. (laughs) There's a whole TikTok trend where people are putting... TikTok? Yeah. (laughs) People are putting salt in water and then putting the raspberries in the water and the bugs like came out of the strawberries. Well... No more fruit for Tucker. Thanks, Carl. I don't believe anything on TikTok. Who knows? Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, notes. Um, <laughs> I feel like you okay. didn't get my TikTok pun, but you like acknowledged it, but you were just like moving on. Oh, I actually didn't pick up on that. I thought you were just saying it. I'm sorry. Notes, please. Okay. Um... Okay, I really appreciated at the time the recap that happens. Maybe yes. like a quarter oh, of the yes. way. Oh my god! Thank God for that. Necessary. Billy, Jimmy. Like, yeah. I don't know. yeah. It's like who's dreaming about the horse and the peaches? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that really, really, really helpful. Um, also, I really like the like um, way that he's like portraying them differently and also like the different color that appears there sure do you is it kind of bad if you need a cheat sheet 100 pages into your book to explain what just happened (laughs) i think so like i think this really was him maybe getting better at this as time goes on sort of thing i thought about that a lot yeah reading this i think rusty brown is a much better book than this and he like very openly acknowledges that and is like, yeah. I started reading the book about like him and he talks about how he, it's actually really interesting. Or is that maybe at the end of this book? I actually don't remember, but he's Uh-oh. talking about like how this is kind of carrying out in real time um, when he's meeting his dad. Was that in this? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and or he's I just like, yeah. he's like, I don't know, like, essentially the story is going on, there's no end in sight, and it's just kind of like, like, he seems dissatisfied, I guess, with yeah. this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good book, I think. It's just, uh, feels kind of like someone's first book. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, that was very helpful to me. 
Um, yeah, the World's Fair stuff, all beautiful. The one that the girl like takes him up there, that was just yeah. like one of those moments of like, oh, I wish I could be a kid again. It Aww. just seems so magical. Um, oh, he's really good at describing things that disturb a person. Like when it's the, it's the grandpa is a little kid describing his dad's laugh and he like yeah. describes like, oh, he throws his head back and then his little tongue comes out. And yeah. it's just like, it's so viscerally upsetting yeah. uh, in a way that like, I'm really angry at the guy's laugh as well. He lost a finger, um, okay? <laughs> Give him some slack. Sure. Um... The sequence where he's talking about how he, like, the grandpa's talking about how, um, because he'd been hiding all of the stuff so that he could run away eventually. Yeah. Uh, and then what is it? He's like, he has the backpack and he holds on to it just to remember that that part of his life even happened. Mm-hmm. That feels like very, like a super, very human moment. Like, yeah. it's hard to remember what it feels like to be a kid in a moment like that or any moment. So when you hold on to those types of treasures, yeah, there's like no way to. It's hard to imagine things that actually happened to you, even though you lived it yourself. And I feel right. like that got that across really well. Too true. Um, really good visualization of Jimmy fainting. Where he hmm. like the what is it they're talking about what happened with the car crash and he like just like the visuals of it kind of fading out to white i thought oh, were okay. done really effectively okay oh i was i guess affected <laughs> at the time by when the grandpa says um or the the grandpa won't say that he likes him yeah yeah that part was tough i like the grandpa a lot in the modern part? Yes. Yeah. He He's says like, it like Jimmy, it is. You're all right, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I asked for a kid's toilet seat so I don't fall in. <laughs> He's yeah, also yeah. like a, a racist to his own granddaughter. Mm-hmm. They all are. Sorry to bring you down. <laughs> all the Corrigans are kind of terrible. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's it. I should have said Oh, that. thanks, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. You need like a little bell or something. Really. <laughs> we have to do, during work calls, we like go around and just say what's going on sort of thing. Um, and we have to do the thing where you say popcorn at the end because no one oh, ever no. knows when no. everyone's done talking. Yeah. Well, everyone says whatever they want to say, but no. I say popcorn. Oh, my God. We and you're say, all that's it for me. You don't have to say popcorn. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> you're uh, all sitting on your little, like, city, like, carpet where it's, like, the little city and you're <laughs> moving your cars around. Popcorn! <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. Christian, did you take any notes during? I, I did. The only other note that I had was uh, Carly mentioned a little bit earlier about how Chris describes that uh, this is kind of a semi autobiography about the experience that he had uh, first meeting his estranged father. And 
Um, it seems like he wrote a bunch of stuff both on the inside cover, at least of yes. the paperback edition I have, and then also towards the end he talks about like some of the background of some of the stuff that he put in there. But the inside cover is very interesting because it's it's supposed to be it's framed as an introduction and in how to read this comic book, but it's not. It doesn't yeah. explain how to read the comic book. Yeah. It's like, here is the history of comics and pictures in human history and why this is art and why this is important. You see, it tracks back all the way to ancient humankind when they drew pictures <laughs> on the cables. You see, I am doing this. I am perpetuating this ancient art form and you appreciate it, gosh dang it. And if you are a female, you can put down this yeah. exam yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. <laughs> So bizarre, but I really, really like his writing style. That's the one yeah. thing that yeah. I appreciate. I like his just prose. And that's something that you don't see in a comic book that's largely just uh, like objective, I'm sorry, subjective narration and dialogue. But I like his writing style. It's, he uses big words. There's There's multiple syllables in there. But Whoa. it's also very blunt, and he doesn't take too much time on any one point going down any rabbit holes. He keeps it at a nice, brisk, top-down level, which I really appreciate it. Would you read a Chris Ware book with no thousands of tiny pictures? I would absolutely contemplate it, yes. Okay, okay. okay. I would think about it. Okay, okay. Um, we, uh, we're not going to uh, rank books but well unless you want to (laughs) no i like the suggestion of that made me sad i want to have to do that okay good i was just gonna ask if this uh if you like this more than watchmen which i guess is doing that exactly but we're not (laughs) ranking the quality of it i was just wondering um we have gone from dipping our toes in graphic novels to uh splashing around Ooh. And uh, digging little trenches, and then the water comes into the trench in the sand that wow. we built. Uh, I was just wondering if it went well for you or not. I liked both, but yeah, I like Chris Ware a lot. Like this is this is up my alley. That was um, in the Michael school of hedging on an answer on something. <laughs> but, okay, I don't know. I'm not as. Don't be like, a Jimmy in this situation, Car. Okay. Be a Jimmy's just, dad. It's hard for me to get into superhero stuff, I mm. feel. And I like the artwork of this This had more. superheroes. That's true. Yeah, it's weird how there is kind of a superhero connection, just like yeah. right in the beginning. It seems like that's kind of to try and draw in the superhero crowd to an extent. Oh, jeez. I wonder how that worked. Because, like, the first thing is he sees Superhero Man, and then Superhero Man sleeps with his mom. And then he gives him the mask. He's like, look, Mommy, he said to say he really enjoyed his time with you. I think that's, like, a Chris Ware thing. Like, Rusty Brown also sort of had that. Like, he does seem to be fascinated at some level with... I think specifically how like little kids view oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. superheroes. He's really into that. Um, yeah, it's also interesting. Like Watchmen and this were both what the like serialized comics, and now we're reading them all at once, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that we kind of ended up there. <laughs> the two panels where it's Superman on top of the building and then yeah. Superman in the street. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
that I mean, would, that's that's yeah. pretty symbolic of probably what Chris Ware thinks of superheroes. Huh? You start out with a superhero <laughs> yeah. thing, and then you show the superhero commit suicide. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's just Watchmen in a nutshell. Also, totally, like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> huh? Okay. Why so, do you two think? Oh, this book is called Jimmy Corrigan, the smartest kid on earth. I don't know. I thought it was a world's fair thing. Oh. Ah. Right? Like, it's like, I mean, that's a huge part of the world's fair is like they also exhibited people in a really negative way. Um, But I feel like that's something they would describe someone at the world's fair as. That's a good call there, Car. That's a much better answer than whatever I was going to come up with. Um, Are they talking about his grandfather? Hmm. One assumes no. This doesn't. Uh, <laughs> wasn't there? Um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but my impression is this is not just all of the comics collected. This seems like it's built out and doesn't maybe include. Um, I've seen a lot of art of young Jimmy that is not in this book, so I assume there was like. Oh comics mm-hmm. of young jimmy happening which would make the title make way more sense and then this almost feels like this deconstruction where it's like here's the man he grew up into hmm. and he's going hmm. through all this stuff i don't know if that's what this actually is but i get the impression that's maybe what this is that would make sense i didn't realize there was like quite a bit not included here i don't know that for sure but there's so well, little find out. so little young jimmy in this book Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why does he always look like an old man? Even when he's a kid, he's like an old man. All the characters <laughs> always look like old men. It's so hard. I don't care for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like 30-something, and he looks like he's 50-something. He always looks like he's crying, but there's no tears. Yeah. A memoir. Mm. Carly, are you researching, or should I wrap this up? I can't tell. Oh, I'm not researching. Okay, well. <laughs> oh, when I said I'll, I'll find out, I will find out, just not now. Okay, so part two of this episode where we talk about <laughs> okay. the yeah. stuff that's not in the book. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Any closing Thank thoughts? You. Any big galaxy brain thoughts on this book about sad man? Chicago. Okay, Chicago. Very good. Um... I would uh, I would do another graphic novel. I like talking about them. Ooh. Just throwing that out there. Mouse. <gasps> oh, mouse too. NPR recommends mouse. <laughs> do they now? <laughs> yeah, they do. Available at your local Scholastic Book NPR Fair. NPR recommends mouse is really funny. <laughs> I think I, I I read like a list of like top ten NPR. Like the oh, graphic no. novels or whatever, and number one was like Mouse, and it was like, of yeah. course, NPR would recommend Mouse, but you see, <laughs> stay with me here. It's yeah, actually exactly. very good. Um, Persepolis. <laughs> I feel like Black Hole. If you type in, you know, graphic novel, it's like we're adding this to your Amazon cart. because you searched for graphic novel is black hole uh what do you think uh it's like the 
the uh, beginner's graphic novel libraries like Black Hole, Mouse, Watchmen. That's all I got. Hmm. Ghost World. Ghost World. Very good. Thank Ooh. you for the mm-hmm. rebound there. Uh, freaking the Batman. The Killing yeah. Joke. There you go. Throw that in there. Okay, and we'll read them all and we'll never talk about them. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Go back to staring out windows while snow falls. Oh, yes. And then look at a sign that's a deer crossing sign and then think the word deer in really big letters yes. because you're trying to write out a letter in your mind to your father or something. Yes. And think, Dad. huh, deer? I've never actually seen a living deer, but I that's have. A, that's a thought someone has had, I'm sure. Jimmy. Deer are so cute. No, they're not. <laughs> They ruin your car and then they yep. come to your garden and eat everything and then they oh leave and God. they poop. They're cute as heck. And that's why I shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> you eat their meat. Yeah, oh. venison jerky. <laughs> I had venison. Um, mm, I'm putting the blindfold on and I'm doing the scales of whether I should talk about this or not. Mm, Do it. Um, I had venison jerky for the first time, and that was the day before I got norovirus poisoning. So it kind of tasted like venison at the beginning. Wow. Where'd you get it from? Uh, Someone at work. Okay, gotcha. And I thought maybe... Yeah, yeah, what'd you think? It was due to, like my food poisoning Uh, was due to the venison, but it was not. Oh, no. Okay, good. But it did play a factor. Venison is not something... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Christian. No, venison is not something I've had in like five, six years. It's been a long time. And I think my understanding is that in order to have venison, in order to have wild venison, it has to be caught and shot yourself. Otherwise, it has to be in like a farm environment, like a cattle Aww, farm type deal. But those are very that. rare is, I think, why you don't see a lot of venison at the supermarket. Yeah, I just cook it longer. And that's uh what are you talking about? <laughs> it's rare. We're oh, gonna go home now. Very good, very TikTok. good. TikTok. Okay. TikTok. Okay. TikTok. Yeah.